episode of the Fierce Females of History podcast, where we tell the stories of women from history that you should know about. I'm Lucy. I'm Talissa. And I'm Erin. And this week is your week. Talissa was just Googling how to say this person's name, so I'm very interested. I am doing the one-eyed African queen who defeated the Romans, Queen Amanarinus. That's a beautiful name. Also, one-eyed. Yeah. I'll get to that. So going back to about 50-60 BC, so 60-50 I should say. A while ago. So the 60s, classic time. Oh, yeah. The Um, hairs were high and the mood was higher. And that is when Queen Amanorinus was born. Of course, she was not queen yet. She was just one person in a long line of women warriors. So she was a Kusite queen born in a place called Miraway, which is modern day Sudan. She was a Candake or Candace, which is a Latinized term of it. And that meant a queen or a great woman. She was second of eight of those who ruled that area. So the queens or queen mothers were the reigning sole rulers of the Kush area or empire. And that was really unique because other parts of the world were run by men at that mm-hmm. time, obviously. Yeah. So the kingdom of Kush was, uh, as I said, an ancient kingdom in Nubia, centered along the Nile Valley in what's now southern Sudan and southern Egypt. So that yeah. kind of part of the world, and it is based around the Nile River, like Egypt was. Mm-hmm. It's really similar to Egypt in a lot of ways, but it was really unique in its own right. Yeah. Okay, so let me tell you a bit about the Kush people. So a lot of the attention goes to their Egyptian neighbor. Obviously, we all know, know about ancient Egypt. But not many people know about this part of history, which was literally next door. Uh So it was an advanced civilization in its own right. They had their own unique language, which is still trying to figure out their own script. They maintained this economy based on trade and industry of their own merit and right. They mastered things like archery and had a complex urban society with really, really unique, very, very much rare for this time, levels of female participation in all areas of life. So I touched on that they had warrior queens, but in every area of what they did, women were very much powerful and leading the charge. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. They were women in charge. They were very much a very powerful force within their communities. And they were really prosperous too. They were doing really well for themselves. But that doesn't surprise me because we know with coronavirus, women run countries did the best. Women get the job done. They really do. Statistically proven. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Just saying we're not on a soapbox. It's (laughs) in the figures. Totally. So after the fall of the Kusat Empire, known as the 25th Dynasty of Egypt, the Kusats had to move their capital to a place called Miraway. It became known for its warrior queens who took part in the battle. And experts say that our queen... Amanorinus, wasn't Amanorinus, it? yep. Was born between 50 and 60 BC, but it's very hard to tell exactly when. Yeah. She led Kush at a very important time when the nation was under threat from the Roman Empire, and I'll get into that in a second. But a bit of context, Cleopatra and Mark Antony had just been defeated at the hands of Augustus in 30 BC, so she's either 20 or 30 this time. Which is like old age. Yeah. <laughs> Caesar Augustus um, is the emperor and has conquered Egypt and then wants to extend his land. Mm-hmm. So where she lives in this area called Kush, it was just south of Egypt. So it's not hard to believe that he wants to extend his land there. He also wants to claim taxes from these people. Yeah. And she's not having a bar of it. At the time, other areas around Egypt were starting to have to pay taxes or tributes to Egypt. But Amanorinus didn't want it and neither did her husband, who was the leader at the time, the king at the time. So he goes, nah, we're not doing that. (laughs) 
And he leads the army into battle with Egypt slash Rome. Yeah. But he dies super early on. And that's such a common theme in all these stories, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. And the responsibility falls on her shoulders because they're in an area where women can run the show. It doesn't go to the sun. Like they're in charge. Mm -hmm. They're in charge of the the country, the nation, and they're in charge of the armies as well. Yeah. Huge job. Yes. Literally. Exactly. So she takes over and she becomes the leader and she continues for the army to push against Egypt of them wanting to take over. Can I ask, and if you haven't researched this, but I always find it interesting, what sort of things were they fighting with? Like what did they look like? What sort of animals were they riding? So bowmen, people with bow and arrow, Uh were the most important part of the armies. Um, They used... They archers favoured one-piece bows that were six to seven feet long. So we think of bow and arrow as like those little Katniss Everdeen moments. But these were like archery javelins (laughs) being flung with bows. What? Yeah, they were really advanced. Wait, so does this mean more than one person has to manhandle? That's like that's taller than a person. Yeah, I feel like that's a lot of bow to manhandle. So I don't know confirmation of more than one person. That would have to be like a tag team bow situation. We need need more details on how the bows are manhandled. Yeah. I'll come back to you next (laughs) episode. Or lady handled. Well, manhandled. They were literally woman and manhandled. It's kind of cool. Seven feet. Yeah, they're huge. And um, that wasn't all. They had obviously other forms of warfare as well. But my favorite part is that they did use uh, their bows often poison tipped. So if the impact didn't kill you, the poison would. So as I said, the hieroglyphs are really hard to understand, but there are like carvings of her in Mm -hmm. battle. So she's pictured as having spears, bows and arrows in one hand. And the other hand, she's got like seven captives. How big is her hand? Yeah, she's amazing. Like one spear is probably enough to have an... How do you have a spear, a bow, and I an arrow think in it's one hand? Metaphorical. Like her hand is huge. <laughs> I think it's, she's literally it got was very a big depiction. hands. <laughs> she's just got these massive mitts. Interpretation. Yeah, and she. Yeah, but you, you do realize that all of the. Sorry to go off on no, a right. slight tangent, Alyssa, but all the pharaohs. Because I went to Egypt. You went to Egypt. All the pharaohs yeah, would order for people to sketch them very differently to how they actually were. Yeah. And. All the big statues and everything that were made for them yeah, were well, very different to what they actually looked like. When I die, I want people to remember me by my enormous hands. <laughs> <laughs> She's got all those weapons in her hands <laughs> and then the, then the captives. And then in other etchings of her and other reports from these like Greek and Roman historians, she was riding elephants wow. into battle. Ballsy. Yeah. And um, was just trampling people down with the elephants. Wow. Just going for gold. Don't fuck with a woman and an elephant. Very Lord of the Rings. Absolutely. Mm. That was kind of the situation. It was yeah. pretty hectic. And Very theatrical. she claims a couple of areas that she claims some Roman cities and she takes captives. And while she's there, you know, she's like, this Augustus guy, not a fan. Mm. So she goes and beheads one of his statues. Uh, oh, cool. And she takes the head back with her. Heavy. And buries it under her temple. So every day her people are, are marching over the head of Augustus, <laughs> like trampling dramatic. over him. And she says it's, this is like a metaphor of trampling over the Roman um, Empire, yeah, which is matter. so yep. cool. That is boss. And fun fact, later on when they dig up this temple in 1914, right, 1914. they find this head mm. buried under the ground. It's actually the best 
preserved <laughs> face of any statue that, oh of the time. God. So yeah. Augustus is like somewhere going like, well, the joke's on you, queen. Yeah, I'll post a photo of it because it's well, yeah, literally it all the pa- – it looks perfect. Because like, wow. it hadn't been exposed to any elements. Nothing. Yeah, but Augustus was obviously not pleased. I see this. Okay, cool. So she goes in hard. She's got a weapon. She's got an elephant. She's taking the head. She's like, fuck you guys. Massive hands. Yeah, her massive hands. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, she wins that battle. She wins. And the Roman Empire kind of takes a second. They pull their troops back Mm -hmm. and they go, all right, mate, you've won this one. But you know what they say? You win the battle, you don't win the war. But the Romans keep pushing south. They Mm -hmm. want this land and they want the taxes. Mm So she sends, well, she's quoted as saying, so she sends these Kushite empires to the Romans, to the Egyptians, same thing at this point, and she says, sends them with a bundle of golden arrows and they're quoted as saying, this is a gift from the Candace, the queen. If you want peace, this is a token of her warmth and friendship, but if you want a war, keep these arrows because you're going to need them. Oh, wow. So good. Golden arrows too. Yeah. Wow. The one chooses the wizard. <laughs> yeah. Baller. So in uh, 24, as I said, they're pushing south. In 24 BC, she leads 30,000 soldiers 30, against 000. the Roman forces wow. in Egypt. And her son, Prince Akinadad, even though, in, as I said, he's prince, she's queen, um, he fights among the soldiers. And there's also reports that she takes, you know, more Romans, Egyptians, and feeds them to her pet lions. <gasps> casual. Oh, my God. Just a, just a kill casual mm-hmm. day. Mm-hmm. That's pretty rough. Yeah. So, as I said, Rome's starting to launch counterattacks. It reclaims its lost city, it invades Kush, and it destroys its capital, where she was born and where she lived, and sold thousands of her people into slavery. So it pushes the Kush further south. But our gal continues to fight. In one battle, she loses an eye. Okay. And after healing, she returns to battle. She does not let that stop her. Is that her. the eye That is losing. the eye. Right. Uh-huh. There's no actual reports on the eye. Is she now like a blind, like a well, pirate there's lots, patch? I don't mean to, you know, we don't play into rumours so much, but there are a lot of pictures of her with a golden eye patch. Queen. And I just, I mean, You're she's not, a queen. No, I buy it. 100%. Oh, cool, 100%. yeah. They have, they have wealth. I reckon she could yeah, have done it. I think she so, would have yeah, had like diamond encrusted. So in the battle of the capital where they get pushed away from, her son loses his fight and he passes away no. and it just pushes her further to not let any more of her people get A, sold into slavery and B, killed. Mm-hmm. So she starts using terrifying war tactics to fight back. That's what they say anyway. So she uses two swords and she starts splitting people down the middle. <gasps> this is where she starts to ride more elephants into battle and use them as part of her weaponry. Jesus. And uh, the Romans are trying to fight back, but they have a lot of problems navigating the region because this is a really like intense part of the world. There's like mm, all yeah. sorts of climate issues. They're dealing with like land they don't know and don't understand. Mm-hmm. And the Roman army while amazing they're just not built for this type of war they're just not up to the standard mm. and so augustus goes you know what call it a day get everyone get it don't yeah. worry about it everyone come back Tapping it's out. fine tap yeah. out it's not worth it and they literally don't go into that last battle so really the war lasts five years but in the end the romans just go you know what we're done thank yeah. you so much for your time and, and energy. she's there with like her her elephants and her that's very big yeah. of the Romans. She is, as far as I could see, to do that. the only queen in Africa who took on such a big threat and won. 
Wow. The only That's one that I could mean, do the it. Romans always That's won. So cool. All the other surrounding nations, probably just as big, probably just as wealthy, all were taken in by this Egyptian Roman moment. Like all of them had to pay taxes. They had to pay tributes. They had to do whatever where they were the only ones who pushed back that were led by a woman and won. I can't believe I've heard of her. Like that's actually This bizarre. is the whole thing about it. And I'll get into that at the end, but basically no one's heard of her. But we don't, we don't hear about African history. But more than that's that, like so we sad. all know about Cleopatra. Uh, this video I was watching talks about this and they're like, why don't we? Mm-hmm. That there were so many powerful there was eight just in this one nation alone like there would be so many more around the world but we just don't know about them but particularly on the continent of africa there were all these great queens Mm. but no one talks about them and i don't know why we know most of about her through the romans and the greeks yeah i wonder if they i wonder if it's literally just a matter that there weren't a lot of uh those historians kicking around in that area yeah she's they're also mentioned in the bible though so it's not like there's an excuse like the candaces are mentioned Mm. in the bible crazy yeah not all of them, but they get referred to as the Candace. Um, so they protect their borders. Uh-huh. They secure their borders. Mm-hmm. They get the Romans to retreat somewhat. They get them to stop coming further south at the very least. So while they don't have all their original land, they still have their own space and their people are safe. Right. Yeah. And Augustus, not happy. Amanarinus, pretty happy she won the battle but not happy with the way there's been treating people yeah. so she personally goes <laughs> and sits down with augustus to make a treaty girl wow could you can we just to be in the room with <laughs> can we go one episode of that hamilton reference i don't no. want to i don't want to <laughs> um, i'm not so even she- trying anymore it's just <laughs> <No. happening. laughs> so in 22 bc the two of them sit down and they make an agreement that the kushites keep all of their territory and they revoke the tax and the Romans take the army out of the area and they don't come back. I really want to know what her outfit's going to be like when she goes and does her deal with him. I hope it's just <laughs> yeah. something fucking hectic. Yeah. Like I'm just in the costume department right now in my head, like gold eye patch for Shane. Gold eye patch is obviously the statement or does she go red? The color of blood. Or white. I'm thinking she's in head to toe white. Cause that's traditionally a peace color. I would like to see her in the head, the eyes drilled out, and she wears it like a mask. And she's like, oh, you want this? Can't have it. <laughs> Bye. That's what I imagine. Oh, lol. Yes. Okay, I just had another Googs. So men wore loincloths and tunics made of linen. Breeze, Classy. easy beauty, breezy, beautiful cover girl. Yep. Um, and they were just simple long skirts. And for we- winter and for summer. <laughs> totally. And women wore heavy <laughs> ornaments, including headbands, large bracelets, and amulets. Um, just that. I love they didn't an wear amulet. Yeah. And then obviously people higher up wore these long fancy robes and a lot of jewellery. We're talking more is more. Mm-hmm. That oh, kind of vibe. Vibe. A classy strap this of This is B- <laughs> BC. Everyone was wearing sandals. Yeah. Remember, remember when there was that whole like f- sort of five years of our lives and gladiator sandals were really in? Mm-hmm. I was so heavily into that. I had the oh, zipper yeah. ones. I had the tie mm-hmm. one. I had all yeah. the buckle ones. But I can just say running in those was never easy. And I just feel like if you're going to be like an army, sandals – Oh, it's an S issue. Those were probably better, safety. though, than the they're ones we got like from, like, Birkenstock Bets. style. People say they're very comfortable, but as someone with flat feet, 
Not a fan. No. I don't mind. I don't mind the gladiator sandals. I can't run in thongs. They don't work with flat feet. Oh, I can run in thongs. That's because yeah, I'm. I, I would bogan. love to see a Roman running. In, imagine a Roman going into battle wearing thongs. Mm, sandals pretty much are thongs. Flip flops. Yeah. Do you reckon they made the? But sandals go over your feet rather than just at the one part. Clarity thongs is in like um, flip flops. Flip flops. Flip flops. Sandals. Jandals. That's what they call them in New Zealand. Jandals. In New Zealand. No. I Don't. mate called Jacinda. Her bravery and composure becomes legendary. Wow. And under her rule, the border is secure pretty much until the end of that empire. Uh, as I said before, there's no other queen in Africa who took on a threat like this and won, and she maintained the group's independence and their land. The most shocking part of this to me. One, we don't know who she is, but two, no one can translate their hieroglyphics to this day. We're in 2020. Yeah, mm-hmm. I really want to know more about that. And yeah. no that just one seems can so figure strange. it out. Is it because they might be, like, they're obviously going to be their own style of hieroglyphics? Yeah, they're different to Egyptian hieroglyphics. Yeah. yeah. And not enough of those hieroglyphics have clearly been found for them to and, and decipher. More so, like, I wonder how much, how many resources are put into things like this. Like, if this was exactly. found in a like predominantly white area this would be all over the news but we don't hear enough about things going on over there i don't know i don't think it's i don't actually think that it would be a race thing i think there's so much interest in that part of history that there it wouldn't come down to whether that happened in you know in a in a european part of the world or an african part of the world i think it's probably more of a general resourcing thing um in that they probably just don't have the funds to dedicate spending all the time to it yeah and the the rosetta stone when that was uncovered that's mm-hmm. how a lot of historians could read yeah normal egyptian yeah. hieroglyphics based on that but i can only assume that these hieroglyphics probably are completely different they to are they're not the same as the ones so in they Egypt. don't have anything to go off really like a key yeah yeah literally yeah it's interesting i would have thought yeah i guess it's maybe i fascinating my, didn't make myself clear like i didn't mean like oh because they're in Africa, we don't care. I just like I don't. I think of this. They uncovered something this old in a European part. They have all the funding and the resources to figure it out. I didn't mean like. Oh we're yeah, we're not yeah, focusing yeah. on like it. Where it was found. Where I think where it was found is part of the issue as well. Like Sudan's obviously got tensions and yeah, yeah. there's yeah. lots of stuff oh, happening. Yeah. yeah, and they only found them like less. Yeah, that's true. You know, that's just true. around a hundred years ago. Yeah, where like the tombs were found like well before yeah. like the tombs of pyramids so true anyway i feel like this this is dragon so um no i think it's actually a really interesting discussion no, that's yeah really, yeah yeah really good point um kush died out 400 years later it had eight canvases as i said and the ruins were only discovered uh around the 1900 so they're still working to figure out what the hieroglyphics are and as i said that fucking head is still preserved to this day <laughs> Well, thanks for tuning in for another episode of the Fierce Females of History. As always, you can find us on social media, on Facebook, Fierce Females of History, and on Instagram at Fierce Females Podcast. And you can email us, history at gmail.com. Don't forget, if you are listening on iTunes, scroll down and give us a rating. And if you're listening right now and you're not driving, take a screenshot, share it to your story so we can see you, and then you can see us seeing you. It'll be cute. Join our community. <laughs> <laughs> we post memes. <laughs> Ha, ha, ha.
<laughs> Sometimes. Or what you can do is you can grab, so you're going to write us a letter. You're going to grab a pen. You're going to grab paper. You're going to find a desk. You're going to find a chair. And you're just going to hold all of those things in one hand. <laughs> and you're going to figure out what you're just going to walk around with them all in the one hand. And then um, you're going to write the letter. Amazing. You're going to put them down. With the other hand. With the other hand. And before you go, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but that was the last episode of 2020. Don't stress, we'll be back in the new year with plenty of fierce females and other exciting stuff as well. Thank you so much for listening and we'll see you in the new year.